Welcome to Health Trust Candid Conversations. This is a conversation series where we highlight physicians, clinicians, and supply chain leaders who are innovating, caring for those in need, and working to improve human life. In this conversation, I talked to Aaron Arnold and Cheryl Anderson with Health Trust and Stewart Healthcare about value analysis. Aaron Arnold is currently a Health Trust Clinical Resource Director embedded in Stewart Healthcare's corporate supply chain, where she oversees the Surgical Value Analysis Program. Erin is an OR nurse by training and has a breadth of experience in multiple service lines and in education and leadership. Cheryl Anderson has been in the healthcare industry for over 35 years. Most recently, she served as a Value Analysis Senior Consulting Director for 10 years before going to Stewart Healthcare. In today's conversation, we look at contract compliance, patient outcomes, and clinical integration as it relates to value analysis. Aaron and Cheryl address not only their successes, but some of their biggest challenges and are inspiring leaders as we discuss value analysis leading practices. With 40 hospitals and six international sites, I'm particularly impressed with Stewart Healthcare's system-wide value analysis, communications, and feedback processes. And I know you'll pick up some pointers from this conversation as well. My name is Cheryl Anderson. I am the Assistant Director of Stewart Healthcare. I have a nursing background and a business background, and I also have my DNP. And my name is Erin Arnold, and I am the System-wide Clinical Resource Director for the Surgery Value Analysis Team at Stewart Health. I am a Health Trust Embedded Resource, so I'm a Clinical Resource Director um, by title, and I have uh, a master's degree, and I also um, am CNOR certified, so I keep my certification in the OR uh, because I feel that's very important to my role and my love of the OR. Tell me about your partnership with Aaron. The partnership with Aaron is very successful, and I am so thankful that she is with us. And to me, she's not an embedded employee from Health Trust. She's my partner. And with Erin, uh, we have been able to achieve so much more than we could have without her. And we have uh, been able to uh, go after some really tough initiatives uh, that most IDNs cannot handle. Uh, we're going over after bone cement, hernia mesh. Uh, we're going after hemostasis agents. Uh, we're going through a lot of we're going through a lot of complicated projects that have to have a lot of hand-on-hand -hand, uh, support with our local hospitals. So it is a partnership, not only with Aaron and myself, but also with our local hospitals, uh, because when we introduce strategic initiatives from the corporate level, it has to go to the grassroots of our local hospitals. And we really try to improve that communication. And also, Aaron and I make sure that the execution happens. That's right. When you look back on where you started and the evolution of the program, and again, it's a fairly um, young program when you compare it to others that we're familiar with. Tell us a little bit about how you feel it's evolved, how it really started, and, and where you are from a maturity standpoint today. So I've been here one month longer than Cheryl. Um, so I was embedded earlier this year. Uh, I started back in February, and Cheryl started in March. So uh, when I came on, the system-wide value analysis director, her last week was uh, just it was just a week before I came on. So uh, here I am, a new resource. And it was, Erin, you're running the surgery value analysis program, and we're going to be hiring a system-wide value analysis director. And so I had to learn really fast the processes that the contracting team uh, had in place, the, the current value analysis landscape, which uh, seemed pretty fractured. 
uh, there had been no, it, it, I guess it seemed to be no real uh, communication, two-way communication between the corporate value analysis team and the site value analysis teams. So it was, it was a really good learning process and it was really good for relationship building. And then Cheryl came on board and we kind of united and tackled that part of it. And we were, we put a lot of cool things in place, communication packages where we do, um, you know, what we have is like our scope statement of our initiatives. We try to do visual cross references. We uh, make sure that we have executive leadership communication. We've been great in uh, building those physician relationships. Uh, coming, you know, from the OR background, I'm very comfortable talking to the surgeons. And so that's what I love to do. And to me, it's getting them involved in the change helps drive changes. So um, that's kind of what I started to do when I first came on. I'm like, okay, I need to get, get on board with the OR uh, directors and leadership. And then that way I could build my relationships with the physicians so we can drive some physician preference categories um, and make those initiatives successful. I totally agree with what Aaron, Aaron said, uh, Rick. And I would just add that uh, what we have developed too to help us get those clinician preference items and get our surgeons and doctors more involved is we actually developed a physician champion list mm -hmm. and we have a champion for each of Aaron's initiatives on the surgical side with the bone cement and hernia mesh uh, specifically. Uh, we also are in the process of developing an orthopedic advisory committee uh, for Stewart Healthcare so that we can tackle even more advanced and more mm -hmm. clinically specific uh, product categories like trauma, yeah. spine, head, you know, all the type of different really difficult categories that uh, a lot of IDNs have to, are faced with. Yeah, and I'm really jazzed about the Orthopedic Advisory Council. Um, my, uh, when I was a new OR nurse, orthopedics was where I was trained. So I'm really excited. Orthopedic surgery is, is kind of my expertise. And so I'm, I'm really jazzed about that. Um, it's really exciting, and I'm, I think it will create so much good success for Steward throughout the organization and, and get that buy-in um, from our physician leaders and, and from our physicians. I, I love hearing that, and when we consider clinic, a clinically integrated supply chain and we consider physician engagement, it sounds like you, you, your team has really embraced that. Uh, you talked about physician champions in the various service line. I'm interested because you cover a wide geography and you're, you're in multiple states, you, you uh, stood up these committees or councils. Um, how do you choose physician champions and how do, you, uh, how do you facilitate communication across the enterprise since again, they're not always co-located, they're in different geographies. Tell us a bit about how you stood that up and how you facilitate those communications uh, with the various stakeholders, specifically with those physician champions and leads? Well, how we developed the physician uh, champions are that we had to depend a lot on our directors, our regional directors that are out there visiting all the hospitals at certain times, also our material managers. Also, we uh, sought uh, some advice from our general medical VAT members and our surgical VAT uh, members. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that Aaron and I did as soon as we got on board was that we wanted to have more clinical, um, clinical input into the decisions. We had some clinicians on the team when we first got here, but we 
we kind of beefed it up to have more of our CNOs on it. We have more nursing directors. Uh, we also include infection uh, prevention nurses on our committee. Uh, we also have tried to do, uh, we found out that there's an advanced wound care uh, system committee within Stewart, and I work closely with them on our advanced wound care categories and negative pressure wound therapy. Uh, so we have really extended ourselves out to talk with more people within Stewart and to get closer relationships with each of our hospitals, our local leadership at the hospitals. Uh, how we've communicated some of our projects. Erin uh, mentioned how we have like a conversion package or a contract launch package that we send out when we're doing a major initiative. We also have a monthly newsletter where we communicate again what we're getting ready to do. We also have memos that we send out on each of our new initiatives or any kind of product conversion or SKU reduction, and we instruct our material managers, our directors of nursing, OR managers, everybody, on what the next steps are, what they can expect, and what they need to do in order to implement the change. So uh, we try, Erin, what other things do you think we've done? Yeah, I think a lot of it has just been, you know, building relationships, having those one-on-one -on -one conversations uh, also with the leadership out there. So if there's any questions, you know, we've, we've built good relationships with our materials directors throughout the system. And so, you know, we have also monthly or sometimes bi-weekly calls with the materials directors and we're still communicating our initiatives so that they if they have any questions or if they can connect us to anybody that has issues or concerns with you know our initiatives or you know hey this this isn't working well or hey even if it's working well we want to hear that feedback also so we're trying to you know Im improve our mechanisms of communication. And like Cheryl was saying, we make sure that we have memos that go out. We have regional executive leadership that even if it's a, you know, conversion as little as, you know, Anafog solution in the OR, they're at least informed of it because if there's any kind of issue, they're aware of it. Um, and then they also um, move that communication down to their site. So there's some level of accountability to communication, um, and we just want to make sure that there is as much uh, penetration in the in in communication throughout the organization. Um, I will say that including more uh, clinicians on our value analysis teams has been very instrumental. When I first started uh, on my surgery value analysis team, it was uh, it consisted of mainly our contracting team a couple of materials directors and maybe two OR directors. And so I beef that up because I wanna hear from the OR, uh, whether it's you know a surgical technologist, it's a, it's a RN that's circulating or scrubbing, and also the managers and leaders of the OR because they're the end users, they know, and they have those, they have those relationships with our, our surgeons and they're also part of the end user uh, group as well. So we just, we've beefed that up and we have a lot more input and we seek feedback continually on how we can make it better for them um, at the sites because we want, we want their jobs to be easier. They need to be taking care of those patients, of our patients, while we can handle the background work and kind of decrease that noise. Um, so, you know, if there's, you know, vendors that are doing cold calls and things like that, we want them to, to send those to us so that we can uh, give them time to uh, take care of our patients. Well, I must commend you both because your 
communication or the communication channels that you've established, um, I find are paramount when you try to move an initiative forward. So uh, what you've created from a communication perspective is certainly impressive. And you mentioned um, rolling out new initiatives or contract launches. Tell me what health trust resources you use or what do you find helpful in your preparation and implementation of a new contract or rolling out a new initiative? I'll start first, but I would say that um, with Health Trust, we have these different advisory councils that Health Trust has set up and that Aaron and I participate in. One is the Nursing Advisory Council, and then Aaron participates in the Surgical Advisory Council. And what we find is with these advisory councils, we're able to know what new product contract uh, product categories are coming up and what contracting within Health Trust is looking at. So it gives us a preview so we know how to communicate it down to our general VAT meetings that Aaron and I have uh, for our steward hospitals. And then also uh, Health Trust, when we look at a product category, we look in the Health Trust website and we get like all the cross references. Mm -hmm. We know um, what contract, you know, whether it's sole source, dual source, multi-source. We know when the contract is coming up how we can plan it. Um, a lot of all of the health trust work plan, we implement, we actually integrate it into our uh, initiatives within Stewart Healthcare. Uh, also, uh, how health trust has helped me a lot, Ashley Kicklider, who is our national uh, executive uh, for this account for Stewart, has helped um, really orient me uh, to the website, has told me about all the different resources that health trust has, like I found out about that there's a physician advisory committee that health trust has that we have two or three of our physicians within Stewart that are on. And also uh, Ashley pointed out to me too, all the different articles, kind of like white papers that our physicians have uh, documented within Health Trust that we, that Aaron and I have access to. So uh, it's been a great partnership with Health Trust and also too, uh, Ashley Kicklider and Vicki Alberta have helped me identify certain product categories that there could be some savings as far as SK reduction or changing in utilization. And that's been like we had intra-aortic balloon catheters mm -hmm. uh, that uh, Ashley helped me with. And then we also had a blood tube uh, test that Vicki helped us with that could be an opportunity. And then uh, Vicki's also uh, talked with Aaron about a preference card uh, mm -hmm. initiative that we'll probably be working on in 2021. Right. So um, to add on to Cheryl, you know, I, since I'm an embedded resource, I have I have access to a lot of health trust resources, and I have a team within that I work for, the value analysis team within Health Trust, um, that helps guide and give me some more opportunities. So, for example, we have the uh, OR Toga spacesuit reduction. So we have an opportunity, and we're working on that now, on you know aligning with best practice, you know, and, and, and a lot of our system is already doing that. So we are eliminating those very expensive striker togas to go with a gown and hood combo, which is half the price. And it does not uh, impede any kind of patient care outcomes. It actually is a, a, is a, is a best practice uh, because it's also, it's cost effective and it does not show that there's more contamination uh, for our patients. So uh, we have that. Um, 
you know, so I want to give a shout out to Vicki Alberto, John Tierney, who is one of our BI analysts. So he helps me do some cost analytics based on insight data so we can kind of uh, do some opportunity scans. And also Steve Butler, he's been a great resource as well because he, he does provide more opportunities for uh, us at Steward. So it's been really great. And since I'm a member of the Surgery Advisory Board, uh, it's really, really good to network across other organizations to see how these other organizations have tackled these same challenges. So Jennifer Westendorf is the leader over the Surgery Advisory Board at Health Trust, and she helps me navigate our relationships with the other folks that are part of that uh, group, and it's been a really good partnership and I've been able to make really good relationships and, and uh, some good connections with others uh, at, at our other members, you know, with other members. So it's been really great. That's excellent. It sounds like you, both of you really understand the resources available and you use all of those resources as you uh, implement your, pro your program. So uh, you had mentioned outcomes, Aaron. When we consider the, the role of supply chain in balancing cost, quality, and outcomes, how are patient outcomes and other outside resources, such as the resources you mentioned with Health Trust and other professional society recommendation, uh, recommendations taken into consideration when you're reviewing a new product? So that's an excellent question. Um, so we look in, for everything that we do, we, we look at how does this product or technology affect patient care outcomes? So if we already have like something, you know, in our system that is working and there comes, you know, a, 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 the latest and greatest, but maybe it doesn't provide any, any difference in outcomes and it's twice as much, right? So we look at that literature and that helps us drive our decision-making. So, you know, if we're using something um, that that provides the same outcomes as something that is you know at, at a different price. Then we then we definitely look at that and say why would we why would we pay more for something that doesn't you know change that doesn't you know change that outcome. Um, on the other hand, we also look for opportunities you know with uh, other things that if there's no difference in patient outcomes, why wouldn't the the you know the more cost effective product um, you know, be okay. So that's, that kind of drives our decision making with our conversions. But another thing too is, you know, we're clinicians and, you know, data drives our decision making. So we look at literature, we look at data um, to kind of drive those decisions. And we want to make sure that we're providing our patients the best, you know, the best outcomes at the lowest possible cost. That's what drives us. Because, you know, that patient is our center of, you know, of what we do. And so we want to make sure that we're providing the best value for our patients so that our, the cost of care is uh, overall less than, you know, or even our competitors. Um, because we want to make sure that, um, you know, we're, we're best in class at the lowest possible price. <laughs> And I would add to what Aaron was saying too, uh, Rick, is that we have professional association affiliations, mm -hmm. like Aaron's very involved with AHVAP, yep. and uh, also AORN, mm -hmm. and I'm involved with Healthcare Quality and American uh, Healthcare Executives. 
we uh, also use ECRI. We have value view that we not all only have as a resource here at the corporate level, but we also have it at our local hospitals so that their local VATs have access to that clinical literature mm -hmm. and price guide and benchmarking that we have at the corporate level. Yeah. So that there's coordination uh, at the local and at the corporate level for our initiatives. Yeah. And and I've used all of the uh, the third party databases for you know to evaluate uh, evidence for technology. And honestly, I am agnostic when it comes to any of those databases. They're all they all have their pros. They all have their cons. And so I think that it doesn't matter who you use, but I think it is imperative that you should use some sort of uh, evidence. Uh, database to help drive that decision because it just makes your life a little bit easier so you don't have to keep looking for um, literature and, and things like that. Excellent. So you really do have complete data-driven, clinically integrated processes and uh, you really do, what I hear you say is exploit and really consult all the non-vendor supplied evidence and resources that are available to you as you collate the information to make a decision. As you pull yeah. all that information together, uh, how do you share that with your VATs? Well, what we do is we provide the clinical evidence mm -hmm. within the PowerPoint presentation, or we might have it as a separate uh, item that's attached to yep. when we send our agendas out and our PowerPoints. Also within the PowerPoint itself, we'll go through a financial cost savings analysis mm -hmm. and we'll break it down by each facility. We'll also describe the, um, the product category itself, what the products are within that category, what are what products are on the health trust contract, what is the strategy with health trust. Mm -hmm. So we communicate all that information to our VATs, both the general med and also the surgical VAT. And we also not only communicate all that information so that they have the financial impact and the patient care outcomes and the clinical evidence, but we also make them vote. Yep. Especially for the more complicated categories where it does have where you need clinician input. And from that voting, we get that approval to move forward with the initiative. And we communicate that in our memos out to the field when we're getting ready to do initiative that we'll actually say the surgical vet voted on September 24th to move mm -hmm. forward with this initiative. We are now rolling this out to all of our hospitals and we expect you to do the, or we recommend you do the following steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, would, I would say Cheryl is right on target with that, uh, with what she's saying. <laughs> Okay. Well, again, I commend you both with uh, the communication processes that you've established because I think that's a leading practice for others to consider and follow because as you know and have and are leading by example, that type of commu communication is key to success uh, as we look at bringing best value as you described. As you uh, look back on the short time that you've been together in establishing this program and uh, then look forward, what are, what are some of the biggest challenges or in a more positive way opportunities that you see or that you're encountering in your role today? I, I will say our biggest challenges are opportunities. Everything's an opportunity, right? So it's not, I, I like to call challenges treasures because they, you learn from it and, and it makes you a better you know, professional and it makes you better at your process. So I think you know, biggest opportunities is just making sure that our communication reaches our intended users, our intended uh, audience. We want to make sure that, you know, we're able to uh, communicate effectively 
and make sure that everybody hears the same message. So that's like the communication and consistency of communication in our processes is, is, a, big, is a big opportunity. Another one is data. You know, data, data, data. That has that drives our decision making. And uh, you know, our organization has been currently transitioning to a sole uh, electronic health record, and so it's been a bit challenging. You know, trying to get timing of initiatives and things like that. But it's helping to look forward to improve process. And then we're also working to implement a sole ERP. Uh, in the next two years. So they're working on the prep of that now. So right now we're currently on two different electronic health records and on two different ERP systems. So that's really challenging on getting that data to all be accurate, perfect, and everything. So that would be, to me, our biggest opportunity, um, really. So I don't know if Cheryl has more to I, say on that, I'm sure. I, I would agree with Aaron. Uh, once I think we get that uh, electronic resource platform, I think mm -hmm. we'll be much more uh, able to integrate our data better. And also that data will be a lot more accurate yep. and will be more complete. So yeah. we both are looking forward to that day because I totally agree with Aaron. Data is critical to the success of our yeah. program for value analysis. And so much work is being put into that uh, currently. So our team, especially you know here at, in our corporate supply chain office, we have people who are working, you know, they're logging a lot of hours on cleaning up that, that data. So it's, it's really exciting um, just to see how that will, you know, come about and be implemented. So we look forward to the day where we are on a sole ERP system and a sole electronic health record. <laughs> I agree with you both. Having disparate systems is a challenge when you're trying to manage data. Uh, so yeah. as, as you live in that environment today, what tools are you using to track your projects and your progress? So we use, we use uh, yeah, we use dashboards, internal dashboards uh, to track our progress. And we meet uh, very routinely, weekly. Uh, yeah, pretty much weekly on going through each of our projects, where we're at, where we're focused. We have a multidisciplinary team, you know, between the value analysis team, contracting, data, our regional uh, team out in the field. We have regional directors that report up to this corporate office here, um, and we're, we're constantly communicating um, where we're at with initiatives, what are our challenges, what are, you know, what are our barriers, how could we do things better, where do you need us to support uh, the field better, uh, we're, we're constantly working on that. We also, it, within our uh, third-party database, you know, we use a, a project managing management tool um, to kind of help that. It's, that's relatively a newer process for us, so we're working through the details on that. Um, but right now we have our own internal dashboard that we use. Okay. I was just going to add that we also have our director of sourcing and contracting to develop the savings scorecard. Mm -hmm. And the information from the dashboard is fed into the savings scorecard or vice versa. The yes. savings scorecard feeds into the initiative dashboard. So we uh, try very hard to communicate where our savings are, where we are with the initiative, where we are with implementation, because we definitely believe in the faster we can implement mm -hmm. the conversions and SKUs, the better savings we can provide to our local hospitals. Yep. Excellent. Well, as I look back, um, we're, we're soon to enter 
um, or we have entered the last quarter of 2020, um, as we look back on the challenge this year has brought, and I'm impressed at what you've been able to accomplish with all of the headwinds that we've had in 2020. As you look forward to 2021, uh, what is your vision? What are you working on next? What are your priorities uh, going forward? How do you look to expand your program? We're just working on continual improvement of our communication and processes and making sure that there's consistency in our message. Uh, we're working on expanding that physician engagement, you know, especially with that orthopedic advisory council. That's going to be tar like what we're really focusing on in uh, 2021 is just making sure that uh, we have that implemented and kind of using that, we'll probably expand that to other service lines, um, which would be wonderful. And then we are also working to improve our time to implement initiatives. So like speed to value, right? Speed to cash. <laughs> we yeah. wanna make sure that um, we're working on improving our processes so we can, we can achieve that because uh, we, what we're finding is sometimes, you know, because people aren't getting the communication or, you know, they're stuck with their own COVID, you know, issues that they have going on, you know, that's, that's really kind of been challenging as well as, you know, we're, we want to work on things and they're like, well, wait, we have a surge in COVID cases. So, um, you know, we, we want to make, be mindful of that, but yeah, 2021 is, is going to be a really exciting year, I think for us. Um, as we kind of navigate the coronavirus, but also improve improve our value analysis teams. I would agree with Erin that uh, we are constantly trying to improve our communication and also the speed to implementation. We really are trying hard to get efficient in that process. Yeah. Well, okay. what, I, what I've learned from you both today, you've clearly developed a strong program and have plans to continue to expand the impact that you have on your organization. Uh, as we close, do you have any advice or pearls of wisdom for others who are on a similar journey to improve or expand their value analysis program? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the first thing I would say is that it is teamwork yep. and you have to work uh, with all the team members in within your IDN or your mm -hmm. corporate office. And also you have to work very closely with the local hospitals. Yep. Aaron and I could not be successful without the local hospital support. When yep. we rolled out these initiatives and building those relationships, like Aaron said earlier, are critical to our success. Yeah. Uh, and, and Aaron and I both agree it's communication, 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 yeah. communication. And uh, once you have buy-in from your local hospitals and you have your whole team working together at the corporate level to implement uh, the conversions and SKU reductions, it just goes so much more smoothly than when you yeah. have uh, people not working together. And yeah. it's been a very successful partnership with Health Trust and Steward Healthcare. Yeah. And I would say, you know, use your resources. I mean, you know, Health Trust as a GPO, there's a, a vast breadth of, of, of a portfolio of resources. There's so many people within you know, health trust working to make, you know, the membership better. And there's a lot of resources there, but also even internally use your resources. We use, we use our senior vice president, Michael Prokopis quite a bit, you know, when we want, when we need some uh, leadership and executive support, that's, that's part of his role is trying to get that support for us because he's very supportive of us and our success. So we want to make sure that, you know, he's, 
he's driving that success and, and, and partnering with the executive teams and making sure that the communication is on that level so they can see the stuff that we're working on. And, uh, it, and, it, and it makes our whole organization successful if he's successful too. So um, we're, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a really good resource. And, and yeah, and there's a lot of, of great things out there and, and networking. I mean, just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to plug my um, association of value analysis professionals. So um, there's a lot of resources for value analysis there as well. And um, so I, I think just making sure that you're networking and, you know, asking a lot of questions on how did you do this? How did you overcome this barrier? I think that's been critical. And, you know, Cheryl and I come from different backgrounds, but we're united in the same goal. You know, we have the same mission. We have the same vision. We want to make healthcare better. We want to make, you know, steward health better. Um, and we want to make health trust better. So we, we provide a lot of feedback, you know, to all parties <laughs> to make everything better. And, and Rick, I would add to that too, is that Michael Prokopis has been very instrumental to helping Aaron and I remove some of the obstacles. Yes. He has been very supportive to some of the changes and recommendations that Aaron and I have brought to him. Mm -hmm. So our success is very much tied with Michael. That's right. Cheryl and Aaron, Aaron, that's great advice. Congratulations to both of you on building a successful program. Um, and I'd like to thank you both for spending time with us today, for sharing your insights with us, for all the work that you do to support the clinicians that are caring for the patients and the communities that you serve. And again, we really appreciate your partnership and appreciate you sharing this valuable uh, information and your, your insights with us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Health Trust's Candid Conversations podcast. Please visit healthtrustpg.com backslash the source backslash Candid Conversations to listen to more episodes of our podcast.